no time for an opening monologue. No time for me to try to be witty and funny and get you to listen to this episode. Because at this point, if you're listening to it, you're going to listen to it all the way. And if you're not, then hey, I'll get you on the rebound. It's Jake Alexander, your voice in the void, the lone wolf, your favorite host with the list. It's the end of 2021. And it's, I guess it's just time to have some fun and to have a drink and to enjoy, you know, the festivities to come. And because this year has been weird, it's been, you know, left and right and up and down. We've had good times and bad times, this, that, and the other. But, you know, we've been here together. We've been doing it all year. And I am so happy that you've decided to hang with me in this pokey little podcast the entire calendar year uh, from season, the end of season one through season two and the season three. Uh, I'm just so happy for every last one of you. I've been saying that for the longest. And believe me, I say it because I mean it. I don't just say it to, you know, try to be schmaltzy and, you know, induce some sort of feelings. But I know I truly, truly mean it. I'm so happy that every single one of you that listen, do listen. And I hope we get bigger as we go along. Um, it, Today's episode is the last one for the year. Like I said, 2021 is on its way out today is uh for me today is actually wednesday i'm starting to record this today and i'll record some more tomorrow on thursday um and then it'll be up on thursday so you can listen to this whole thing so wherever you find yourself on whatever day you're listening to this god bless you i'm glad you're listening but you know friday when it hits it's new year's eve and then saturday saturday is the first day of 2022 and i hope next year is a hell of a lot better than it was the last you know last two years it's in 2021 wasn't completely bad it wasn't as bad as 2020 by no stretch of the imagination but you know it wasn't all great either <laughs> like i said we had good times and bad but you know it's about time we started to get back to normal it's about time we put this pandemic behind us it's about time um it's just about time we all start looking to the future and start doing better for ourselves and that's what we're going to do with this podcast but you know for right now for this podcast for today, let's do what we usually do. Let's do some news. Let's do a, a movie review. Um, I got something new for you today. Something called the Golden Tea Awards, the Golden Tweaker Award. Uh, I'm going to give you, I'm going to hand out an awards for some of my favorite things from this year. For uh, my favorite songs and my favorite anime and my favorite movies and my favorite streaming TV shows and, uh, you know, those things. Uh, that's new. So, you know, next year we'll get around to doing it again. That's a whole year away, but you know, today we get to do it for the first time. That's fun, right? We've never done that before. It's something new. Um, and then I'm going to talk about what we are going to do starting next season because, well, I'll, I'll wait. I'll just wait until then. So you got to stick around the whole episode. I won't, you know, spoil the slight surprise because I've talked about it before, but today I'm going to, you know, make it you know, a little bit more official, not completely official, but a little bit more official. So uh, stick around to the end of the episode or toward the end of the episode before we get out of here. And then once we get out of here, man, I just want you all to, you know, be safe because I already know what you're going to do. It's New Year's Eve. You're going to do the same thing I'm going to do. And I just want you to be safe while you're doing it. But like I said, for this episode, let's do what we usually do. And what we usually do right about this time is kick off with some news. <laughs> Let's start today's news off talking about the death of football luminary John Madden. Uh, late on the 28th, just a few days ago, uh, John Madden passed away at his home in uh, California. Um, he was the NFL head coach with the Oakland Raiders for nine years back in the day, back in the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, he accumulated a total uh, total record uh, as a coach of 103 wins, 
32 losses and seven ties, but he only won one Super Bowl. And he probably would have had more, if not for the immaculate catch uh, versus the Steelers in uh, one year. And uh, some key injuries in 1969 and 1970 really hampered his teams in, uh, in the playoffs. He was a color commentary with uh, Pat Summerall and Al Michaels for NFL games on CBS, ABC, Fox Sports. Um, and that, his broadcasting career lasted from 1979 to his retirement in 2009. That's 30 years. Um, like, you know, most people best know him because his name is part of the EA Sports uh, football video game um, um, series. Um, but but me, honestly, I always remember him for his humor. He made every player and every play and every moment inside of a game when he commentated just that much uh, more relatable and that much more enjoyable. I, I love John Madden, not just because of, you know, the video games and his NFL uh, prowess, but he was just funny. He was hilarious. I loved him and Pat Summerall as a commentating team. And you just, you're just never going to see somebody like John Madden or his uh, his style in the in the booth ever again. I promise you that uh, he was 85 years old, and I'm so sorry to everybody that uh, survives him because he was. Uh, you could tell he was one of those dudes that, that was just fun to be around. Um, there's no easy way to transition from something like that to something like this, so we'll just get on with it and keep going. Uh, Spider-Man No Way From Home. Welcome to the Billion Dollar Club. I uh, we all kind of figured that Spider-Man would be big and it would be good right and it would do great numbers in the box office but a billion dollars that's where that's where sony's uh spider-man no way home is now at uh that that movie rode a, a second strong blockbuster weekend and basically no you know nothing up really up against it over the christmas holiday and it became you know it reached over a billion dollars this is sony's largest movie in their history i didn't i didn't think that there was another billion dollar sony movie but I was assuming that maybe they had had one before and I just didn't know it, but nope, this is, it's not their first billion dollar movie, but this is their biggest. It's blown past every single thing else. Uh, and this is awesome. And Sony's uh, Spider-Man No Way Home is also the largest grossing movie now for 2021. So, hey man, it, it's, considering its success, it's just like I've said, um, all these Hollywood types that don't like superhero movies, comic book movies, they like the more prestige movies, you know, like dramas, you know, hardcore and, you know, uh, action, not action movies, but, you know, the dramas and all the movies like that. Um, those are quote unquote prestige movies and they only want those. And they don't really want people uh, going to see them because they want the prestige movies to be, you know, at the top of the, you know, at the top of the pile. They ain't just going to have to get over it, man. Because look, all the movies that have been out in the theaters, people went to see them. But the movies that were really in theaters have been action movies and people poured in to see them the prestige movies didn't do well because nobody wants to be you know brought down and have drama poured into their life when we're dealing with all the shit we're dealing with outside of the movie theater right now right so movies like spider-man no way from home take our minds off of things you know it's which is what movies were when they were first ever invented right it was meant for us to you know go in and sit down and for however long we were there to escape reality so hey look if you don't like comic book movies and superhero movies don't watch them you don't want to be in them don't be in them you don't want to produce them or direct them don't produce them and don't direct them but leave them alone for the rest of us like okay um and still speaking of spider-man no way from home answer this question do you think spider-man the entire run with tom Holland, do you think that equals lord of the rings if you do then you're in the same boat as kevin feige and the sony pictures chairman tom rothman 
um, in an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, Feige said, in the way The Return of the King was sort of a celebration and culmination of all of that amazing work that had been done on that trilogy, this is a celebration of both our Homecoming trilogy and the five other incarnations of Spider-Man that had happened before. Uh, Tom Rothman added on later in that interview, uh, saying that like the third Lord of the Rings, this movie, uh, Spider-Man No Way From Home, is the conclusion of an epic series and is quality commercial cinema. Cinema, And he's added on that Black Panther was quality commercial cinema. It is essential that the Academy does not lose its connection with quality commercial cinema. Now, what Rothman is saying by saying quality commercial cinema is what I was talking about with prestige movies. You can have a movie be a drama, say, you know, or a horror movie, because horror movies are still prestige movies. Um, you can have all these other types of movies outside of the comic book uh, superhero genre, but you can't separate the comic book superhero genre from the other genre, right? You can even you can even put it in the action movie genre, and this has been a long argument that action movies don't get um, as much credit for the uh, for them being a true cinema um, versus other movies like dramas and whatnot. But they he what he's trying to say is that all these movies are just because it, they generate a ton of money does not mean that they're not quality, just pragmatic, uh, cinematic achievement movie. And I agree with him totally. Uh, I've long said that movies like comedies, action movies, now superhero movies, you can even go back and, and say like Western, you know, and sci-fi. These movies are quality cinema, whether they generate a ton of move, ton of money or not. And the uh, the Academy, the dudes who hand out awards, not that I give a flying fuck about the Academy Awards. I've for years I've I've said winning that award means absolutely nothing, but you know, for some people it still means something. So. Uh, the Academy is just going to have to open their eyes and realize that, hey, times have changed. There, I mean, think about it. At one point, most of the movies in America were, you know, bang, bang, shoot them up, cowboys versus Indian type movies, right? You don't see them very often no more, do you? You don't see cowboy versus Indian movies anyway because it's, you know, really fucking racist. But, you know, you don't really see too many Western movies that come out. Why? Because that time has passed, you know? And you, you're in an era where comic book and superhero movies rule. So the Academy is just going to have to realize that times change. Movies come and go. Things, you know, you know, things fade in and fade out. And you're just going to have to accept it the way it is. If you don't, then, hey, like I said before, to hell with the Academy Awards. <laughs> so, and also for the Spider-Man um, um, movie, did you see the Doctor Strange 2 trailer? Now, it truly is looking like madness. I understand why they said multiverse of madness in the subtitle for this movie, because it is truly looking insane. Uh, the, the trailer ended, um, the trailer appeared at the end of No Way Home. It shows Doctor Strange's actions and the fallout from it from No Way Home, and probably also from the fallout from the Loki series with the uh, multiverse being cracked open and so much stuff spilling through before things can be, you know, rectified. Uh, it also shows a very looking, you know, very familiar type of giant octopus that may or may not be Shumagorath. I, I've always said it, Shumagorath. But, you know, that's just that's just between me and you. Um, there's also, interestingly enough, and interestingly enough, an evil looking version of Doctor Strange that was that is very similar to the one we saw in the What If series. Now, I think that this movie is going to take a bunch of the What If that what if episode with Doctor Strange where he like tries to fix everything by using magic and cracking the multiverse in a sense. Um, and it's going to, and that episode is going to lay the foundation for this film. Um, there's obviously more teasers to come. That 
little trailer didn't really tell us anything but it looked good looked damn good right so i can't wait to see what they throw at us uh, as time goes on um if you're into anime guess what it's winter time and that means funimation has put out its winter schedule um continuing from this year you got anime like demon slayer uh they're going to be entering the uh entertainment district arc uh, you have the ranking of kings if you've never seen that it is such a cute little anime please go watch it it, it really deals with a, it, you know it really deals with hey what happens when you're very different from everybody else and the main character um, is named boji i won't think i won't like spoil it for you but it is it's a really cute anime the main character uh, boji is uh, the son of the king and when i say he's different he's he's very different he, he he's one of them people that like are you a royal because you don't seem like the other royals and, but he's happy with the way he is and everybody else has a problem with it but he continues to be positive and it, it's like i said it's a cute little anime if you haven't watched it haven't watched it at all watch it. it it's good it's called the ranking of kings um then there's another one that's continually called how a realist hero rebuilt the kingdom this movie is all about like politics and you know uh, social social justice and uh, the money that the government spends and how to balance the budget and shit like that but it's inside of an anime inside of a fantasy anime it is this one is really good too it's, it's really cute similar to the way uh ranking of kings is cute and then the irregular at magic high uh at magic high school they're doing it they're in their reminiscence arc and of course one piece is still continuing because one piece is just never going to die is it uh god i can't wait for one piece to end and for everybody that loves one piece to be very disappointed with the ending because it's going to be a very disappointing ending no matter which way you which way you slice it i have my theories about how one piece is going to end and i'll talk about that another time it's 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 really weird but i got a feeling it's going to end badly uh the new anime on the schedule you have stuff like tokyo 24th ward now, i thought that was supposed to be tied to tokyo ghoul series it may or may not be it doesn't look from the trailer it doesn't look like it's tied to the tokyo ghoul series but i was told that it's part or related to the tokyo ghoul series whatever either way it looks good so i want to watch it it's got like i said it's called uh, tokyo 24th ward um there's another one called my dress up darling look i'm not really into romantic comedies but this is supposed to be a mature romantic comedy it's not like i said it's not really in my wheelhouse of things to watch anime wise but i'm willing to give it a shot because there's cosplay in it and I, i'm with that <laughs> um there's another one called cyberpunk edge runners um it's a netflix series and you know net like i told you a bunch of episodes ago netflix is not fucking around they are coming for the anime nerds and they have a bunch of stuff on the schedule for 2022 and the first one out of the gate is called cyberpunk edge runners um it's based on and in the world of the cyberpunk 2077 video game um the video game had problems at launch but they've since passed it and the game has gone on to become uh, a big fan favorite uh look i'm into cyberpunk i'm into cyberpunk everything so I, i'm pretty sure this is gonna be pretty good it looks really good too the the steals and the uh, trailer i've seen of it so far is it, it looks really nice outside of just me being into the genre uh and there's uh, and the last one is in uh, uh anime called orient um it's a sengoku era japan story where demons rule the world and a hero will be born it's a really simple plot but i'm a simple guy and i like simple things so they got me um it's japan and swords and demons so you know they had me at hello <laughs> it is what it is um the, uh, moving on the batman the one starring robert pattinson they've already given it a streaming release date so get this so the first robert pattinson villain that his batman has to face i guess is his 
the very people that's putting him on center stage, WB and uh, DC, they've announced that the Batman will hit streaming sites, which is HBO Max, only 45 days after it's released in theaters. And that is crazy. So the release date on HBO Max will be April 19th uh, next year. And in my opinion, this is a huge mistake. Look, Batman is a tentpole property everybody and their mother is going to go see this movie anybody who's into comic books whether you're a marvel geek or a dc nerd everybody's going to go see it just to see if it's any good if nothing else and they are going to miss a ton of money by releasing this only after 45 days look i get it you think that hey you know put it on the streaming sites because there's a new uh variant of covid but damn it Spider-Man No Way From Home just made a billion dollars in about a month and a half, two months. Stop, okay? Stop worrying about the COVID variants. People are obviously still going to go to the theaters and watch these movies. Uh, I mean, I get it. You're worried that some people are going to stay home, but how many people are actually going to go to the theaters? Obviously a lot. Look at the box office takes from some of the world's biggest movies this year. A billion dollars, 900 million. F9 did great numbers at the theater. And how many other movies did great at the theater? Shang-Chi and Black Widow and all this, this, that, and the other, and Blase Spleet. But people want to go to the movies, man. They People are tired of being cooped up in the house and watching streaming sites. I get it. You want to keep the streaming site stock and stuff also. But, hey, if you want to miss out on the money, it's your money. It isn't mine, right? So uh, it is It is what it is. And I'm starting to worry that maybe I was wrong on the second go-round. I remember when they announced Robert Pattinson for the Batman and they announced the Batman in general. I was like, oh, this movie isn't going to be any good because it's Robert Pattinson. And then they started releasing steals and trailers and this, that, and other. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm wrong because, you know, the trailers got me. I was like, it looks good. And Robert Pattinson looks convincing, you know, in the trailers. I'm like, okay, okay. So this is supposed to be him, you know, Batman. Bruce Wayne becoming Batman is like year one status. Okay, then, okay, cool. I can get behind this. This looks like it's going to be good. But now I'm starting to wonder if maybe we're getting a, a you know, a, a rebound of the Matrix uh, Resurrection effect where they kind of figured that the movie wasn't going to be received well. So they put it on the streaming site and in theaters at the same time. And then they decided to take Batman and say, well, we'll put it in theaters, but and we'll wait to put it on the streaming site. And so they're kind of trying to find that middle ground so they can get all the money, you know, that they could possibly get. I don't know what they're doing it's just weird whatever uh we'll see how it does in the box office i'm gonna stick with the idea um and my guess that this is going to be a really good movie and i'm going to guess that they are going to miss out on a lot of money by putting it on uh, hbo max so soon uh the batman with robert pattinson debuts march 4th uh, 2022 and go watch the new trailer the batman cat where uh robert pattinson is batman just talking to uh cat it's it's a pretty damn good trailer um still speaking of comic book movies who's into ghost rider because i'm into ghost rider when i was younger my brother's favorite comic book character was ghost rider and i really wasn't into it but i got into it as i got older so we knew we know for a fact that kevin feige has said for many years now on many different occasions that he wants the ghost rider in the mcu proper now we've seen uh Ghost Rider inside of a Marvel property uh, played by Gabriel Luna on, on uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He was uh, the Robbie Reyes incarnation. But there's another person out there 
who wants to play the Ghost Rider in the film. Now we've seen Nicolas Cage as Johnny Blaze. So here comes, of all people, Norman Reedus. Yep, the badass who played Daryl on The Walking Dead wants to play uh, the Ghost Rider. Now he's been soft campaigning about playing Ghost Rider for at least two years now, dropping hints, this, that, and the other. So sometime earlier this year, Kevin Feige said, to hell with it, get him in here, let's talk. So apparently Norman Reedus has been in, in and out of meetings with Kevin Feige about joining the MCU without actually pointing him towards Ghost Rider since, uh, I wanna say since April, earlier this year. Um, now, there has not been a single report that has confirmed from anyone that Norman Reedus is gonna play uh, uh, any incarnation of the Ghost Rider. Now, I am going to personally tell you that it's a done deal. It has to be a done deal. I don't care what nobody else says. I'm not, I don't have any type of anything outside of just whisperings from people I know inside the industry and just my own gut feeling. Norman Reedus is going to be in the MCU and he's going to play the Ghost Rider. Now, here's this thing that you need to understand. Now, while Reedus has every tool to be the Ghost Rider, including the look, and being an avid motorcyclist and just having that low-key brooding facade. The question you need to ask yourself is, who is he going to play? I just said Ghost Rider, but remember, there are different incarnations of Ghost Rider. And I highly doubt he's going to play Johnny Blaze. I just don't believe that. And here's why. Feige has already stated multiple times, long before this year got started, that there's going to be multiple incarnations of the Ghost Rider inside the MCU, right? This is obviously after Gabriel Luna played Robbie Reyes on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But he's also stated that Marvel is looking to bring Nicolas Cage into the MCU as the Spirit of Vengeance as well. So if they're bringing Nicolas Cage in, then that obviously means he's still going to be Johnny Blaze. So who would Reedus play? I got one name for you. Danny Ketch. If you have no idea who Danny Ketch is, Danny Ketch is the ghostwriter from a uh, different run inside of the comic books. He's also Johnny Blaze's long lost brother. So I want you to try to picture this. The multiverse right now is broken, right? So what if we wound up having not just one ghostwriter, but three? You get Nicolas Cage as Johnny Blaze, the ghostwriter from the duology. You get Gabriel Luna, playing Robbie Reyes, um, I'm sorry, Bobby Reyes, as the writer from the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but you also get Norma Reedus playing Danny Ketch. Now you have three, you can do, you can do a million things with three different ghostwriters. And all three of these ghostwriters have met at some point or another uh, inside of, uh, inside the comic books. Uh, the fourth one, Slade, he was in the movies with, he was in the first movie with Nicolas Cage. I forgot the gentleman's name that played it. He's a damn good actor too. Uh, he's a real cowboy in real life. You just look at him and feel he's a cowboy. Um, and all the, all the incarnations of, of Ghost Rider have met at some point or another inside the comic book. Now, I want you to try to picture this also. With the multiverse being broken in all three of those. So, we you got all three of those versions of the uh, Ghost Rider, right? So, imagine you have Blade, who we know is coming, because he's going to be played by Mahershala Ali. That's already been announced. We know that for a fact. Moon Knight is coming. We know that. It's going to be on Disney Plus, played by Oscar Isaac. We already have Doctor Strange, and we already have Wong from Doctor Strange. Now, the Punisher and Iron Fist, right? They're back under Marvel's control. Now, Marvel has said they kind of have Iron Fist's 
who he's going to be or maybe she with Colleen Wing you don't know um, that's still up in the air and the Punisher may be played by the same guy from the uh, series may not be but still you have those characters right you also have Hannibal King out there from the original uh, Blade trilogy from the third movie now Feige has said he wants Hannibal King to be back in the MCU again now I doubt very seriously if he'll be played by a uh, um, the same guy who read, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, I doubt if Hannibal King is played by the same guy, he'll probably be recast as well. Um, then you add on Danny Ketch and Johnny Blades. That's nine members from one team that you probably don't remember, the Midnight Suns. Now, the Midnight Suns is a property that Kevin Feige has been talking about for God knows how long here and there. And he said he's trying his best to bring that to the big screen because he likes the team he likes the people inside of the team and he likes um that the fact that they are the the first line of defense against paranormal and you know extra dimensional monstrosities <laughs> and Do and dr strange is the one that brings this team together inside of the comic book so you got nine members right there that are just dangling out there i mean you well, hell you can add on a couple of other characters i mean morbius is on the team at one point you can have the scarlet spider which is ben riley uh jesus i mean there's so many people with so many other characters you can add on I, I would like to see brother voodoo at some point right and also if they do do this movie all you people who are just clamoring to see mephisto and you know how i feel about this i've talked about this i don't really care about mephisto but all you folks that are clamoring to see mephisto inside of the mcu pop up the midnight suns as a movie would be your very best bet right so when all this shakes out remember that it was me first who told y'all so i'm just hoping i'm right right like i said I, i'm not a big fan of the mephisto character i thought he's kind of lame but it is i mean he's not bad but you know i just never really paid any attention to him i like a bunch of the other villains but hey if you want to see mephisto cross your fingers that they do the midnight suns because that like i said that's your very best bet of seeing him inside the mcu uh, that's all the news for right now. I'm going to take a break, go get some water and come back. I'm going to talk about probably the biggest letdown I've had this year with Matrix Resurrection. Stay with me. Matrix Resurrections. Now, there was always going to be nostalgia. There was always going to be that feeling of, I've been here before for the film that was pretty much part of the appeal warner brothers and lana wachowski has brought us a new installment of man versus machine as keanu reeves returns as neo with a new cast of human freedom fighters along with a few old faces and some machine help as well now the plot is fairly straightforward it mirrors almost the original plot of the original trilogy humans now free from the matrix are on the hunt for neo but he is now a mythical figure instead of some unknown face he and Trinity have been reinserted into a new version of the Matrix. And when Reeves is Thomas Anderson again, but now as a famed and troubled video game designer, and Moss is Tiffany, a mom, wife, and custom motorcycle builder with a quiet life. Now, the main, main uh, protagonist is Bugs, like the bunny. She's captain of the Nemesine, and she rescues Thomas Anderson with her team from the Matrix to become the one and confront the machines again. But this time around, our Morpheus is an exomorphic particle codex. Try saying that 10 times fast. And that codex thing is a type of synthetic uh, machine, human consciousness amalgamation. It's, you got to see it to understand it, really. 
that Trinity is the last that needs rescuing from the combined team, and that action takes up the entirety of the second and third acts. Now, for me to go further into the plot is just to point out the obvious and to overanalyze the mundane. So I'll get right down to the one inexorable fact about this film. This isn't a good movie. With all the cachet and hype from the original trilogy, this should have been a film that expanded on the mythology of the past, but it sort of, you know, erases some of that mythology and we get a rehashed, overwarmed plate of leftovers. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking leftovers, but it's a far cry from the first-rate dining experience we were expecting. So if you split this film into three acts, the first act is the most enjoyable by far. Essentially, we are treated to an existential crisis that repurposes the mythology of the, of the original trilogy into a fourth wall-breaking masterpiece, if I do say so. Elements of the first three films are used to skew the life of this version of Thomas Anderson to set up the inevitable scene where we find Neo trying to reconcile that, yes, he's back in the Matrix. Facts like the Matrix is just a video game designed by Anderson and the gaming company that he works for is owned by Warner Brothers. Trinity is nothing more than the woman that Anderson pines over as she visits the same coffee shop as he does. The blue, t the blue pill that's nothing but an, uh, one of Anderson's antipsychotics from his attempted suicide. Even the ramen noodle shop that was briefly mentioned by Anderson in the first film is we see him eating there. This film begins as a very, very self-aware nostalgia trip that slowly builds to a soft climax, and that's completely fine. It's from then on that bothers me, because this film goes south very quickly. All of Acts 2 and 3 is just a premeditated and highly telegraphed love story that has very little, if any, payoff. Yes, Neo is freed from the Matrix and immediately wants to go back into the Machine City and into the Matrix to free Trinity. And much like the original trilogy, the rescue is sort of shot down by the people who run the Human City. Now, the Human City is no is not Zion. That city is gone now. Humans call Io their new home, and it's run by General Niobe, uh, as played by Jada Pinkett Smith. Again, she reprises her role. And there are a lot of callbacks and fan service splattered throughout, just as you know, we would know that it would be, but they never gained traction while attached to this rather vapid plotline. Matrix Resurrections opened with a very metatextual and like, again, self-aware take on itself. And I was drawn in and expecting huge things. I didn't get them. The film devolved into a series of hearing myself ask myself why, and where, and what the hell. What needed to be a straight-up expansionist tale on the mythology ended up twisting and, and minimizing important lore of the Matrix. For being so introspective, we are let down by the additions to this film that don't hold water, such as the Merovingian and, and the other exiles, that here they are weak because they are old programs, when in the original trilogy, they are the strongest and most fearsome programs for the exact same reason having survived for so long and dodging deletions after deletions within the Matrix. We're also cheated by having luminaries such as Thelma Hopkins and Christina Ricci appear in minor roles that do nothing to the overall adding of the film. The biggest what-the-fuck addition are those of Morpheus and Agent Smith. Now, if you go by storylines, both are dead and should not have appeared, even in the neat little packages that we see them here in. Smith was supposed to be a role program, or basically a virus. Neo was the an antivirus, and at the behest and agreement of the machine leadership, he destroyed Smith so that the machine city could go on without Smith's inter inter uh, interference and be at peace with the human city. 
That was the whole point of the third movie. But he is reconstituted by the head of the uh, Matrix uh, architect, uh, a man played a man called the the analyst, and he's reconst and Smith is reconstituted without any explanation anywhere in the film. The Morpheus character, if you want to call him that, may be a callback to the Lawrence Fishburne's version, but after figuring out that he actually isn't a human, but some sort of free-thinking, synthient crossover hybrid, shouldn't he have chosen a new name for himself and been something completely different? Uh, the, the Morpheus character in this film, to me, bothered me because he's nothing more than a means to an end in order to get, uh, to get Trinity out of the machine city out of her pod and back into more uh, back into Neo's arms. See now, while the nostalgia and the fourth wall breaking of the matrix resurrections is fun. It is fun. It's also tiresome and like highly predictable. The original trilogy touched on themes like is free will actually a real thing. Uh, fate, the nature of what is real and what is not. And it had a ton, a ton of biblical image imagery to boot. And none of those carry forward. And it's all replaced by a lukewarm love story intertwined with a semi-memorable action flick. I saw Neo. I saw Trinity. I saw Morpheus in a fashion. I saw Agent Smith, sort of. You know, old faces like Niobe, the the Merovingian, and Sati even piqued my nostalgic interest. And new characters like Bugs, they're really fun. But I knew I was in the Matrix (laughs) in in this case. And immediately I reached for the red pill. None of it overall is enough to keep up with the past, nor is it enough to pave a way into the future. So I guess we'll never know what Trinity is capable of now that she is in effect because of the ending of this movie. Now the one. And if you missed that part too bad, you miss, you missed one of the biggest lore rewrites that this film threw at you. Overall, it, for me, it was a five out of 10. Not completely terrible, because like I said, as an action flick, you can just sit there and enjoy it. But it's not very good either. There are so many better movies to watch. Hell, I could have, if I, I'm so glad that this wound up on HBO Max and I didn't go see it in theaters. Because had I paid money to see this, it probably would have got a two (laughs) instead of a five. Um, There were better movies that came out over the weekend, including Sing. Uh, hell, I I I would tell you just go see Spider Man again instead of sitting there and watching this. But you ain't got to take my word for it. You know I have my opinions, but I always tell you watch it yourself and draw an opinion uh, of your own. Uh, I'll be right back with the Golden Tea Awards for this year's best shows, film, anime, and music. Be right back. So welcome back, and it's time for the first ever Golden Tea Awards. I know that sounds really silly for me and this pokey little podcast to be having, you know, awards to hand out now. Uh, but hey, man, I thought it would be fun to, you know, take a look back at 2021 at some of my favorite things. Hey, look, if you are a nerd this year, outside of the shit out in the real world, if you were a nerd, we got treated pretty damn well, if I do say so myself. There's been pretty... Uh, good anime there's been a lot of good films and a lot of music and a lot of streaming shows to keep us occupied man streaming services went all out with original content and port overs from you know the cable stations and you know going into 2020 uh, 2022 you know we're set up to have a hell of a lot more so 
you know, but right now I would just want to celebrate some of my favorite stuff from 2021. Now, this is not, you know, a top 10 list in each of these four categories. It's not a top five list or anything like that. These are just the ones that for me personally stuck out like a sore thumb that I thought was that were just so good, you know, that I just wanted to, you know, briefly say, hey, these were really good. And, you know, I love them not more than I like the other ones, but I you know, sort of like them more than the other stuff that was out there. So, yeah, this is the Golden Tea Awards. And like I said, this is the first time we're ever going to do this. And hopefully it's not the last time we ever do this. Please, not to be the last time. Hey, who knows, man? Maybe I'll actually start having trophies. And this Pokey Little Podcast will be big enough. We can actually start sending them to people and we'll have our own award show on like G4 or something. Who knows? You know, cross your fingers. Everybody can wish and dream for things, right? I'm allowed to. So let's start with, you know, the best series. Let's start with the best TV show series, right? Um, I'm not going to, it's not in any order. Just to let you know, nothing is actually in like order. Uh, but, you know, for me, some one of the best uh, shows that I liked this year was uh, Why the Last Man on the FX streaming site. Now, I, you know, I I had read about this beforehand and I, and I thought to myself, okay, this is pretty straightforward. It'll be okay. But no, Why the Last Man was just really, really good. If you haven't watched it, watch it. Like I said, it's on the FX streaming site. It's literally about what you think it is. It's about the last man on earth after some disease wipes out all the men. And then one day this one guy seems to just appear out of nowhere and now every woman that keeps up that catches up to him is like what the hell are you doing here and where the hell did you come from and all the little tropes that you might think would be in this show they're in there but you know they do it rather well they don't like you know hang the show on the tropes the the show is literally just about human interaction and stuff like that not the you know not the the tentpole tropes that they could hang the show on it's very well written if you never watched it watch it uh obviously the nevers from HBO Max was going to make this list. I said it when I I saw the first couple of episodes. I said it by the time the series was over. It's it's a mind frag. It's one of those things you watch. It's pseudo X Men ish, but with all women, um, and you know, man, a male here and there, but it's damn near all women. Uh, I love the you know the social commentary about man versus women and rich versus poor and everything thrown in with it. Like I said, it's very X Men ish. And when it first debuted, I said, I was like, look, this is going to be one of them series that a lot of people aren't going to watch at first, but given time, it will, you know, people will start turning their heads toward it. And it's starting there. Now they've only done the one season with a few episodes and they haven't, uh, they haven't released the second half of this uh, run because it's basically a mini series. So I am holding with, I am hoping with bated breath that they finish this series off next year. And I guarantee you it'll be. Uh, a lot more talked about uh, come soon. Um, one from Netflix called Made. Um, I was not watching Made when it first debuted. I had pretty much ignored it. It wasn't in my, it's not one of those things that's in my wheelhouse, but I caught my wife watching it one day and I was like, what the hell? I was like, this is actually pretty damn good. It's drama, but it's human interests. And, you know, to watch the main character go through what she goes through, it's something, man. It's a woman who's, basically a single single mom on the run from an abusive relationship trying to find her way you know in a world that doesn't really want to help her and it's 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 a really good character study it's really good drama um obviously cowboy bebop i had to throw that in on the list somewhere i know people are going to be pissed about me saying cowboy bebop and i i particularly don't care if you liked it or not 
I personally, and I will go to my grave saying this, Cowboy Bebop is still such a damn good series. It does what an anime adaptation was supposed to do. It wasn't ever supposed to be a one-to-one recreation. Why the hell would you want to see a one-to-one recreation of an anime in live action form anyway? You want it to expand on the anime. You want something tangibly newer, but not so far off the reservation from the uh, original source material. You want something that would keep you engrossed. You want the spirit of the anime to live on inside of the live action adaptation. And damn it, that's exactly what Cowboy Bebop did. Nobody gave it. I'm not gonna say nobody because I'm I'm somebody who did, but very few people gave it a fair shake. And because right out of the gate, all anybody wanted to focus on really from the jump was how come Faye Valentine isn't wearing that bikini esque uh, uh, outfit she has from the anime and the show. And like I said, if this is supposed to be real real world and she's supposed to be a bounty hunter, there's no damn way she'd be wearing that outfit. She'd be wearing something you know more practical. And I still think Danielle Pineda delivered Faye. In the, you know, more covered up and she looked damn good doing it too. I'm sorry. Cowboy Bebop was fan-fucking-tastic. And if you didn't like it, you're an idiot. That's just my honest opinion. Um, and obviously from uh, Netflix, Squid Game was going to make this list. Squid Game came out of nowhere. Uh, when it was announced, very few people talked about it. Everybody said it should be good and everybody should watch it. But then it hit and that some bitch took over like nothing I have ever seen on Netflix. And when I say... I've seen things hit Netflix and people, you know, people turn in droves to go watch it, but nothing to the effect like Squid Game did. That, I mean, it took over like nothing else. I mean, I mean, come on. you Squid Game took over to the point you have people in Korea building apartments for Airbnbs to look like Squid Game. What show has ever spawned an Airbnb type of response? I, none, none. You just know none have. I've seen I've, every, it, Squid Game was everywhere. It was in Halloween costumes. It was in gifts. It was in uh, things you can gifts that you can hand to people on Christmas. It it was in TikToks and you know reels and on uh, YouTube videos. It was everywhere. Everything that could possibly benefit from being connected to Squid Game became connected to Squid Game. And I like I said, I've never seen anything anywhere from uh from any streaming site or any TV series takeover like that did uh, this year. Uh, and I, I guarantee you going forward, Netflix is going to be trying to replicate that type of uh, success, but it shows and uh, it shows that why Netflix is the number one streaming site, not just in my opinion, but just hard numbers. I, you see why it's number one still in the world, no matter what all these other ones do. And even Disney plus hasn't been able to keep up. Netflix is not screwing around, man. They took the title of number one, and I'll be da- they'll be damned if somebody walks in and takes it from them. Um, I'm not gonna say it's number one, but last in the in the best anime and I mean best streaming series and TV series uh, category, I put them all in one grouping. I know I should maybe separate them, but I got them all in one grouping: WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, What If and Hawkeye from Disney Plus. Now I put them all together for one simple one one simple reason and one simple reason only. These are offshoots of one gigantic storyline coming out of phase 3 going into phase 4. Now I'm not saying that they are all equal. I'm not because as much as I like Hawkeye, there are there's a couple of things that are missing. Maybe I should have done a Hawkeye 
review. Maybe I'll start off next year with that after I get my words together. But um, there are a few things that from the Hawkeye series that they didn't do that I wish they had that makes it not as good as What If. To me, What If is not as good as Loki, but Loki is still better than Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but it's still not as good as WandaVision. But, I, but like I said, I linked them all together in this one this one grouping because they are all offshoots from one single storyline, but it's a single individual shows. They are fucking fantastic. Nobody can argue that, especially WandaVision. The reason why it got nominated for all those awards is because it's that damn good because of the thing of the themes and the things that they dealt with in the show, not just from a comic book standpoint and, you know, from an action sort of series standpoint, but they dealt with PTSD and, you know, trauma and the, the, the feeling of loss and what do you do when you can't let go and depression and stuff like that. Uh, man, I'm telling you, it's, it's just one of those, this just one of those shows. You, you, you don't appreciate it now. I promise you, you will appreciate it in the years to come. Sort of like mash. A lot of people like mash, just like a lot of people like WandaVision, but I don't think people really realize just how good it actually is. The writing is superb. Everything is superb, but yeah, man, that's the best series. So let's move on to the next category. Best, uh best song right we'll move up and we'll do best uh, uh best film last um next up is best song i had a lot of really good songs this year you know i'm a, I'm a music nut obviously we all know that i've talked about that a million times but a few songs this year have been just you know in my head over and over and over and i couldn't shake them um songs like one last kiss by uh utada hikaru uh, if you've never heard the song look it up it's on youtube all these songs are on youtube obviously you can go look them up um it served as the um the trailer song and the basically the overall theme song for the evangelion thrice upon a time film um uh, spoiler alert that it's on the one of the best films list um it's a really good song it is very melancholy and it is very what's the word it's very I don't know what word to call it. I'll just, we'll just stick with melancholy. It's very melancholy in one respect, but at the same time, it's, it's a very lovely song. It makes you long and um, it makes, makes you long for the person you miss and love the most, or just somebody you missed and loved for a long time. That's no longer with us. It, it has that, it has that vibe to it. Um, another song, kiss me more by Doja Cat and SZA. Now I'll tell you right off the bat. The first time I heard that song, I ignored the hell out of it. I didn't want to hear it. I'm not, that much of a Doja Cat, Doja Cat fan. I like SZA. I like SZA enough, but I'm not that much of a Doja Cat fan. I don't understand the, I didn't understand the appeal then. I don't much understand the appeal now, but that song grew on me like nothing else this year. That's, that's why it made this list. It's just, it's that one song. Every year it's that one song where you don't particularly like it the first time you hear it, but then it, you hear it over and over and you're like, oh, okay, I get it now. I do. I see why everybody likes this song. Yeah, this song is cool. Um, I and I think right around the time I figured out that I liked the song was right when the K-pop group Stacy S T A Y C. I talked about them uh, earlier this season um, when they covered the song and they did a video for it, and it proved that the K-pop groups can be more than just those cutesy little schoolgirl type of uh, groups that is so very popular within the uh, K-pop genre. And they killed it in the cover. They did the whole damn thing in English. They rapped in the English. They kept the curse words in, except for one particular word. And it didn't detract from the song. And that's when I realized, I was like, oh, I do like this song. 
not because Stacy did such a good job with the cover, even though they really did do a good job with the cover, but I, I, I've got a different vibe off of the song, and I understood the song a little bit more because of uh, that group's cover of it. Then I went back and listened to the original again, and then the song just further grew on me. Yeah, uh, Kiss Me More by Doja Cat and SZA. Um, and speaking of like songs that grew on me that I didn't like, Industry Baby by Lil Nas X and Jack Harlow. Now, I don't like Lil Nas X at all. I know nothing about Jack Harlow. This is the first time I had ever heard his name and uh, attached to anything musically. Um, I know everybody was crazy for Old Town Road, and I've talked about Old Town Road, but I was still not a fan. But little, you know, Industry Baby from Lil Nas X and Jack Harlow, this damn song is an earworm. It crawled in my ear, and it has not left since the first damn time I've heard it. It just won't go away. And I guess maybe because so many people use it for uh, TikToks and stuff like that. But hey, it is what it is. It's a decent song. I don't have to like the artist to say, hey, this is a good song. There are plenty songs out there like that. Um, another song is In Case by Bish. Um, In Case by Bish is, I don't know how to describe it. It's just very energetic, very high, very high energy, just very good. Um it's part of a anime. I can, I can not, why am I not remembering the name of the anime with that this song is attached to? Uh, I just look it up. You, you, you'll see it. You'll, you'll see it somewhere and just listen to it. It's called In Case. Then with the ellipsis after. If you, don't, if you don't know what an ellipsis is, that's the three periods that come after words. That's called an ellipsis. Get, get a dictionary, people. Learn English. Um, and Bish is B-I-S-H. That's, just look it up. It's a good song. And um, last on the list, um, is a song called Odd Eye by Dreamcatcher. Now, I've been a fan of Dreamcatcher for a while. I first heard this song in May this year, but it was released in January this year, and it was part of a trilogy of songs that they called the Dystopian, um, uh, Dystopian Future set. And it's one of those songs in K-pop that once you hear it, you realize, okay, K-pop does not have to be what I think K-pop has to be k-pop is not just gangnam style or any of the other you know central types of songs that you've heard because because dreamcatcher is not technically k-pop in my opinion they're just straight up rock and roll not yeah true indeed they have some songs that are very pop fueled like uh like uh they got plenty of songs that are very pop fueled i'm trying to think of one that that you can listen to that would be very top oh believe yeah, the uh, believe um, no because not believe. I'm thinking of somebody else. I'm sorry. The song is called Because, and it is very pop fueled, but it is still rock and roll. And Odd Eye is very, very rock and roll. Uh, Dreamcatcher they do a very dark, uh, dystopian kind of very broody, almost evil style of uh, rock and roll. They are very good. So if you get a chance, listen to Dreamcatcher. And also, also in uh, Japan, listen to baby metal. Both of them go to me hand in hand. They are just damn good music. I didn't put any baby metal things on here because I don't know. Why didn't I put baby metal on here? Eh, who knows? Uh, I, whatever. I probably just forgot. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that song's called Odd Eye by Dreamcatcher, by the way, if I, if you missed that. So let's move on to best anime next. Um, anime was very good this year. We had a ton of really good anime from everywhere across the board, right? And when I say anime, I'm not just talking about strictly Japanese anime, you know, Far East anime. I'm, I also mean anything animated, 
Right. Um, and it and some of these one of these is a film. Well, I'll tell you that much pretty much. Um uh no, I left the film off. Come think about it. Yep, I did. I left the film off and I put it actually up with the films. I didn't put it in the anime. I put the animated film with the films. Um, but as far as anime go, odd taxi is on the list. Odd taxi is I don't know how to describe Odd Taxi. You just gotta watch it and and, and experience it. Odd Taxi is 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 odd. I'm not surprised they put that in the title. Um, Vivi Fluoride Eyes song, very good, very lovely, very. What's the word I'm looking for? It's it, it's it, it's going to hug you and it's going to make you feel sad in parts, but then it's going to make you feel hopeful by the time it's all over. It is very good. It's about a robot who is visited uh, from the future by another time traveling robot that says, "Hey, I need you to help me save the world from the robot." Uh, from the robot uprising that's going to happen a hundred years in the future. And if I don't, everybody's going to die. So either you help me or you and everybody else will be destroyed on this planet. And they get into an adventure to save the world. And it is really good to me. Um, if I actually had to put these in order, Vivi would probably be number one on my list of new anime from this year. And I know that's saying something because I had a lot of really good anime on this list but yeah if i was putting them in order and they're not in order vivi would probably be number one at at the lowest number two uh up next nomad megalobox 2 um nomad megalobox 2 is as much of an anime uh character study that i have ever seen in an anime it deals with loss it deals with what we do when we get knocked down do we get back up and and the power of being able to say, hey, I may be down, but I can get back up and I can keep going. And it deals with when you make mistakes, do people forgive you? And if, if people don't forgive you for your mistakes, that you should still carry on and, you know, you know, do your very best because it's what not only what you owe yourself, but it owes you owe it to the people that you may meet in the future. But and and that's just saying a lot without ever dealing with the fact that it also deals with racism and classism seriously it's out of an anime nomad megalobox too if you haven't watched it watch it absolute one absolute one of the very best ever period uh megalobox was already really good uh the first go round but this one was just yeah, man it was on a whole nother level this was nomad megalobox too if you haven't seen it please watch it um obviously castlevania is on this list anybody who says best anime this year and don't put castlevania i understand it wasn't new for this this year it kind of you know rolled back into us but it was still fantastic. castlevania was something else it proved to me castlevania proved that you can make a video game into a series without having to explain the video game to people right people who have never played castlevania and it's an old series it goes back a ways people who have never played castlevania can just sit there and watch the series and enjoy it but people who have played the Castlevania series and know the lore and know the stories behind the video games uh, will watch this and be like, hey, I know where that's from. Oh, I know what games that's from. Oh, I know where that's from. And we aren't left out, right? The things from the video games are directly in this series. And, you know, we aren't left out in the cold. We you know like a lot of video games uh, get turned into animes or into movies. And it's like, man, none of this makes any sense. This isn't in the game. This, nobody wants to see this. And even though it's animated, it makes it makes me hopeful for the Halo series that's coming out soon. Uh, I truly hope that Halo series is good. I wasn't a big Halo fan, but I still want to see the series. I got big hopes for it. Um, I, but Castlevania 
gave is the what's giving me hope for that Halo series. It was really good. Castlevania might be number one over Vivi Fluorite Eyes now that I think about it, honestly. Uh Castlevania was just that damn good. Um also on the list, Mushoku Tensai, Jobless Reincarnation. I don't like Isekai anime all that much. I think it's a tired uh trope full uh genre, but 2021 was the Isekai year. Pretty it was there were so many uh anime in that genre. If you don't know what Isekai is, it's when basically somebody is transported from one reality into another and they have to find their way in order to either get back to their reality or in order to just survive in the new reality of or whatever. Um this can be either through time travel or you know, wormholes and portals or magic or something like that. Hell, in, in this particular case, being reincarnated. Um, it's like I was, I'm not really into the Isekai genre, but damn it, this was really good. If you haven't watched it, I've been saying it, watch it. Um, and obviously, last but not least, Invincible. And this is why I said I didn't just put anime on there, I put anything anim- animated. Invincible made me laugh so many times. And it then at the at the same hand, it made me so damn angry at the exact same time. And I wasn't angry at the series itself. Invincible made me angry at characters because they were just so fucking annoying and so stupid. I wanted the main character, even though he's supposed to be a hero. I just wanted him to snap the shit out of a couple of them. Like, because you're all idiots. And then you know, the big the big twist at the end between our main hero and his father. If you haven't watched it, I'm not gonna spoil it for you. Go watch it. Uh, Invincible was really, really good. I can't wait for the next season. Um, I don't know if the next season is going to hit next year or not, or if they're going to wait till 2023. I haven't heard word yet. I can't wait till they actually say so if it's going to come back uh, next year or if they're going to push it back to 2023. Either way, I can't wait to watch it. Um, that's all the animes. So let's end the Golden Tea Awards with best films. I'm pretty sure you can guess one of them that's going to be on here. And I'm going to save that one for last. Um, uh, I said one of them was an anime and it was in the anime section but i moved it to films and that was demon slayer mugen train uh why would i put this on here look man it's the number one anime it was number one for what about three months after it was released in japan shitload of money a ton of money at the box office look i'm not one of those people who run to the movie theaters to see anime in the movie form but this one, I went to see it, and I understood. I after I watched it, I was like, okay, people were talking about it, and I understand why they were talking about it. Mugen Train was just damn good. Um, Evangelion, Thrice Upon a Time. I said this was going to be on the list uh, when I was talking about music. That one last kiss song drew me in, but it's Evangelion, and I was like, okay, now I got to see what they're going to do with it because it's supposed to follow up from the series right where it left off all those years ago. Uh, and it was supposed to incorporate a lot of the other series into it and have callbacks. And it was really, really good. Um, eventually in thrice upon a time was the, if I want to say the biggest, um, movie in Japan this year or second, it might've been second. Uh, I want to say it was definitely the biggest animated or anime than in Japan by far. I know, but I want to say it was up there with either number, it might've been number two. It should be number two. Um, either, no, no, it was number one. It was number one. Cause the movie I'm thinking about is Chinese, not Japanese. So yeah, this was the number, this was the number one movie all year. That's how much money it made. 800. I want to say it's one point something billion yen or something, which is just like 
some crazy number, hundreds of billions of dollars. I don't know what the conversion rate is. Just you, you go do it in your head. Um, but it's a, a ton of money. It made a ton of money. Um, Dune is on this list. I put Dune on this list for one reason and one reason only. It undid the bullshit from the original Dune movie. And I was so happy it did. I was leery about going to see this, but then I saw Oscar Isaac and Zendaya and all these other people in the cast. I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And Timothy Chalamet and everybody else delivered. So Dune, Dune made the list. Uh, up next, The Suicide Squad. It was just fun, wasn't it? Isn't that the whole point of going to watch a movie? You sit down and watch a movie and enjoy it. Um, it was in theaters and it was on HBO Max. I went to the theater and saw it. It was that damn good. Um, I'm glad I went to the theater and saw it because seeing uh, Starro up on the big screen just filled my heart with joy. <laughs> uh, another movie, No Sudden Moves. Why is it on the list? One name, Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle is up there with any actor you can name. I don't care who you got. Don Cheadle is that damn good of an actor. If you don't understand why, find anything that he's been in outside of the MCU. Don't count those because those are action flicks and they don't really give him a chance to, you know, stretch his acting muscles, but go watch anything he's been in. Go all the way back to devil in the blue dress when he's next to Denzel Washington and understand that the moment he gets on screen, you forget that Denzel's in the movie. He was that damn good in that. Um, and in this one, it's the same way. Every time he's on screen, you forget everybody, everybody else is there. Don Cheeto is a force of nature. I, I get why they threw him in as War Machine instead of having uh, Terrence Howard. I mean, don't get me wrong. I wish they hadn't screwed Terrence Howard the way they did, but I was, I'm happy with Don Cheadle. Um, no Sudden Moves is just a really good movie, too, outside of just having Don Cheadle. Um, no Time to Die is up next. Uh, I was having a conversation with uh, my buddy at work, and he asked me what did I think about the movie, and I said, look, there was a time when I was not very convinced that Daniel Craig could pull off um, James Bond. But then I saw Casino Royale and I was like, okay, so this isn't James Bond that we've known. This isn't the smooth, suave ladies man, you know, you know, you know, uh, carefree and, you know, whatever happens, happens Bond. This is the dude who's fresh out of the, out of training and he's rough around the edges and he's just trying to find his way and he's very very lost and daniel craig pulled this shit off well and no time to die is his last uh film in his run as bond and it was fantastic what a way to go out if you have not seen no time to die give yourself the benefit of watching this film and enjoying it for what it is it is a james bond feel through and through and i think daniel craig finally hit that hit that point where he's not the rough around the edges bond that's fresh out of training and has no idea what he's doing, but he transforms more into the Roger Moore, George Lazenby type of bond where he's got a little edge to him, but he's, he's turning into that smooth, carefree, happy, you know, happy to fire off five bullets before you can finish a sentence and, you know, live and let die bond. It was a damn good film. Um, up next King Richard. I said when I saw King Richard, I said afterwards, it was just happy. I was really happy to see um, Will Smith in a film that shows that he can that he can act. Most people forget that Will Smith is a class A, just damn good actor. Never mind the, the fact that he's uh, the, the music le uh, uh, legend, but he's a damn good actor. And, you know, he's had a, a big a big string of 
not so not so good films to say the least but this one really showed that hey he can deliver and i was really happy in king richard to see that they had a strong black male uh character and a lead for a film instead of making them into the into the tropes that they've been throwing black male leads into over the last few years on tv and in and in film it's just a really good movie um and obviously Last but no least, obviously on this list is Spider-Man No Way From Home. One billion dollars. That's all I need to say about it, right? It's a billion damn dollars. Spider-Man No Way From Home crushed it. We all knew it was going to be good. We all knew it was going to be big. But anybody told you out of the gate, oh yeah, Spider-Man's going to hit a billion dollars. If they tell you that they thought that, they're lying through their damn teeth. Nobody thought it was going to be this big. And nobody thought it was going to be this big, this fast. Uh, Andrew Garfield stole the show. Andrew Garfield made me cry. <laughs> Toby Maguire, I was so happy to see his version of Spider-Man get some sort of, uh, you know, uh, reconciliation with who he's become. I love the interaction between the three. Um, the fact that Toby Maguire can shoot web and he makes the web in his body like an actual spider does um, and not have web shooters like the Tom Holland Spider-Man or the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. And I love the fact that he did that and it freaked the other two out. That was hilarious. I love the fact that we got the the meme of all three Spider-Man pointing at each other when they're in the lab. I guarantee you missed it. Um, I love the fact that they let Aunt May deliver the line from the comic book um, with great response, with great power must come great responsibility because she does the, she is the one that delivered it in the comic book, not Uncle Ben. Um, that was comic book accurate. And I love the fact that they did that. It was so much about this movie to like, I honestly can't think of anything about this film that I disliked. Um, I, I don't know, uh, man, if I, I would have to literally sit and try to find something about Spider-Man No Way From Home that I disliked. I love that film so damn much. As a matter of fact, I might, I might just roll to the theater and see it again on Saturday when I'm not doing nothing. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, man, that's the Golden Tea Awards. That's all of them. And that was a long ass segment. I'm pretty sure it's like 32 minutes or something at this point. Um, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to let you not listen to me for a few minutes. And when I come back, we're going to talk about something about the expansion of the podcast that I want to talk about. And then we're going to get out of here so we can all go enjoy our New Year's Eve. Stay tuned. <laughs> So here we are, the last call for the last show of 2021, and it's been so, so much fun, I promise you. I have had so much fun hanging out with you, doing these podcasts every Friday or sometimes twice a week over season two. Um, I, I've said this a hundred times, a thousand times. I will keep saying it. I love doing this. I'm not getting paid for this. I promise you I'm not. There's not a lot of financial benefit for me doing this, but I do it because I love doing it. I love having conversations. I love talking about music and movies and anime and the light and stuff going on around us. I just like talking. I like doing this. And believe me, I will continue to do it whether I get paid or not. But you know, if I get paid for it, cool. Um, moving forward, it's going to be a handful of changes. Now, let me say this off the bat before you get worried. The podcast is going nowhere. I am not going to change the podcast. It will stay pretty much as it is. 
It may change the day it comes to you, but it is not going to change. We're going to still talk about stuff. We're still going to have fun because that's what I want this podcast to do. The big thing about it is I'm going to have to shift away from being strictly entertainment and nerdy stuff. I'm going to have to include a lot more personal things and a lot more commentary on what's going on around us. Why? Because even as a nerd, I'm still a father. I'm still a husband. I'm still blue collar to the bone. I go to work every day just like you do. I am, you know, I am affected by every single thing that affects you. And there has to come a point when we have to talk about those things because we may have nerdy interests. We may love the, all the fun stuff, the music and the anime and the, you know, the stuff like in the movies and the films and all that. We may love it, but the outside world affects affects when we can enjoy those things and when we can't. And so there has to be a point where those things, you know, interact, they intersect. So I'm going to take the advice from so many messages that I've gotten over the last few, last year or more. And I'm going to, I'm ready to put myself out a bit more than usual. It scares me. Obviously I'll be, quite honest with you i'm not as much you know as this podcast may make me seem very sure of myself um i'm not a lot of times um but i can't be a follower i have to be a leader in order to do this podcast i have to be the person up front not the person in the back Um, i walk my own path and i have my own opinions so i'm not going to pull punches Or should I say, I'm not going to pull as many punches as I've been doing for a while now. Um, And with that said, I'm happy to announce that we are going to have a YouTube channel sometime soon. Um, I am working on it. I am very much not an expert on how to do this. Um, But I have people who have done this before and are doing this now. So I'm going to lean on them for their expertise going forward. But we will have a YouTube channel. Hopefully, hopefully, sometime at the end of January. It may be February. It may even be March, right before my birthday. But we will have a YouTube channel. So you won't just be listening to me. You will see me. I don't have a name for the channel yet. Um, the name The Wolf Den has been thrown around. And it is the front runner. I've talked about that before. Um, and Nikki Rev seems to like it. So who knows? It may be that. It may be something But before it debuts, I will be on here still doing the podcast and I will let you know when the podcast um, will be will continue to uh, air and I will let you know well in advance when the YouTube channel will go live because I want you all to be there. Um, We will have some topic every week, uh, maybe Saturday, maybe Sunday, maybe another day where we talk about stuff that does not make it uh, directly onto the podcast. Um, I would do gaming on there so you can just see how horrible I am at playing <laughs> video games, especially Destiny, even though I'm, I consider myself to pretty good, be pretty good. I know for a fact there are people who are light years beyond my skill set, and I will, you know, show you just how bad I really am. So uh, we get ready for that. Um, but for now, it is, like I said, the last call. Uh, I am going to have me a drink. And I'm going to relax. Um, I am going to get me some champagne. Hey, man, it's 
getting to be New Year's. What better way, what better drink to have to close out the year in the podcast and in the vault and to close out the calendar year itself than having champagne. I have a bottle of Vuclico upstairs inside of my refrigerator, just chilling, just waiting to get cracked open. If you don't know who Vuclico is, it's one of the oldest, if not the oldest champagne company in the world. It was founded in 7072. It's very good stuff and it's, you know, it's not as expensive as all the other ones. And I've had other champagne and this one is always better. No, that's not an ad for them. They're not paying me to say that. I told you, I don't chill work people. If I like something, I like it. If I don't, I don't. Um, and outside of that, I'm just going to relax. I'm going to probably rewatch Don't Look Up, which is a damn good movie. If you haven't seen Don't Look Up, please go watch Don't Look Up. It is a really good movie. Um, everything that's going on with the pandemic and how some people deny it and how, how some people super overreact or some people underreact. Um, all of that is in the movie. That that movie is basically telling you what's going on in the world like right now. It's a good character study. It's a good movie. Um, and I'm going to get some rest. I have to get to bed early because tomorrow morning... I have a race. That's right. Tomorrow morning, uh, Friday morning, I am going to be running a 5K. Actually, I'm going to be running a 5K on Friday and Saturday. It's a two-day race. Um, my foot, uh, I used to be an avid runner. I started running a few years ago, and I was running pretty regularly. And then I developed plantar fasciitis. Try saying that. Um, if you've never had it, find somebody you know with it, and they will tell you it is horribly painful. Um, it doesn't seem like it would be, but imagine um, your foot falls asleep for a second. And then once you start to get the feeling back, it feels like somebody is stabbing you in your foot all the way up your ankle until you get complete feeling back in your foot. And that feeling can last for hours at a time. It hurt like hell. Um, I have flat feet and that's where I got it from. But now it is healed. Thankfully, I got it checked out a couple of weeks ago and I'm back. I know I'm ready to get back to running full time like I was before. I've gained a lot of weight. I've gained about 50 or 60 pounds since I stopped running avidly, and I want to get rid of this weight. <laughs> they, they, People call it the pandemic weight, but for me, it was weight that I've had for a long time that I thought wasn't coming back. But it came back. So I am going to rid this uh, weight one way or another. So, um, you know, maybe on the YouTube channel, I'll, get, I'll keep you up to date on my weight loss journey. Maybe that's something you'd be interested in knowing. Um, but until then, um, please be safe, be sober-ish on this New Year's uh, celebration time. Don't drink and drive. Please don't do that. Um, I've never had a ticket for DUI, but I have had plenty of uh, dealings with police. When they think you're drinking it, I don't want anybody to do that. Get a designated driver. Get an Uber, Lyft, rideshare, or whatever. Don't endanger yourself or anyone else. Please, okay? I want you around. Your loved ones want you around. I want you listening to this podcast. If you've got to drink, either stay at home or wherever you're going to drink, go to somebody's house and just stay there the night. Sober up, then go home. Um, like I said, keep yourself around. Uh, we will be back into this podcast real soon. I am not going anywhere. Like I said, we are expanding. We are not shrinking. Um, if whatever platform you are on that you listen to this podcast, there's always the little follow button. Click it. So the next time I come back with something on the podcast itself, the moment I post it, it will pop up a little icon on your phone or in your calendar or some sort of push notification or an email maybe that lets you know that I posted something. And I want to uh, I want to make sure you are there when I come back. Um, it won't be long. I promise you it will not be long. I will not be away from you very long. 
I love doing this. I love you all. I have said this a thousand times. I will say it in every podcast. I don't care if it's one, five, ten, a hundred, a thousand of you. I love you all. I appreciate you listening to this pokey little podcast. I appreciate you listening to my nerdy self rant and rave about every little thing that my heart desires. You don't have to listen, but you do. And I appreciate it immensely from the United States to Brazil, to my listeners in Honduras. Yes, I have some down there all the way out to the Philippines in Germany. God bless you all everywhere that you are listening from. I don't care if it's on your phone, on a computer, while you're on a treadmill or while you got your headphones on trying to drown out these kids that will drive us crazy. I love you all. And I will end this podcast thanking you for Nikki Rev and the same way I always do. God bless. I love you. Peace. Happy New Year and bring on 2022. See you later.